What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the C-String Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about a few different things, Uh, but I'm going to start off with, uh, I just got back from a scrimmage. Uh, We played 11v11 against another team here in Kearney. Um, Think of it as like a preseason game. Uh, So nothing, not a big deal. Outcome didn't really matter too much. Um, But I want to say, I I did wonder who the team was, because I'm not like... Like the head of the team, you know, I don't know really who we were playing or, you know, why we chose them. But um, I will say it was a bad choice, um, purely because of the reason that they weren't playing like it was our preseason game. Um, they had a lot of people pushing pushing us around, drawing fouls, sliding around. Uh, we weren't really necessarily pushing ourselves that hard, but they seemed like they were determined to do anything to take the ball from us, which, you mean, we wanted to play hard, um, but the fouling was a bit aggressive, and I found it very stupid, to be honest, uh, especially the guy I was matched up against for most of the game. Um, I played right back for the entire 80 minutes that I played. I got there, uh, I sat out the first 10 minutes, and then I got subbed in and played right back for the next 80 minutes of the match, and the guy that was... Uh, I guess would be their left winger um, basically slid into every challenge uh, that guy was never not sliding around and really annoying and eventually of course he did get one of our guys um, and uh, he is going to be he, he had to leave the game um, so hopefully he'll be alright um, he said he was going to be fine I mean he said it still hurt but he was walking okay so we're really hoping he's okay because right now, as of now, we have five defenders on the team. And if he gets injured, we're down to four. Um, five defenders is bad enough as it is, um, especially when outside backs need to carry a lot of the load uh, along the wings. They need to be able to run up and down the whole entire sideline and be able to get back into plays on both sides of the ball. And we only have five defenders. So that's a really big issue if we're down to four. Us four are going to be playing the 90 minutes. Uh, but I think he'll be okay, hopefully, in time for our next uh, our game next week. Uh, first game of the season uh, in Wichita. Uh, we're hoping to kick some butt there. We'd cut, kick some butt tonight. Uh, we won. I don't actually know what the score was. We allowed one, and we scored like seven or eight. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I had one shot on target, actually. Um, had a few crosses. My shot on target was from uh, just inside the 18 on the right side of the box. Uh left-footed, half-folly, uh, kind of skimmed along the ground, uh, parried safely away by the goalkeeper. Ultimately, it was a pretty, pretty easy effort uh, from him, but still got that one on target, uh, put some force behind it really good. Um, but we played great today as a unit, I think. The scrimmage was very vital. Um, our practices hadn't been going so well uh, recently, and this scrimmage, I felt we really unlocked some things as a team, um, and I felt that I played incredible um like best best form i've been in um in my probably in my whole life which makes sense you know the oldest i've been you know most in most fit i've been and uh definitely definitely in form um towards the end of the game they started pushing us around and uh for anybody else who's played a sport out there um when somebody like when you get knocked over you know I, i especially since we weren't playing that hard um I got knocked over by this this big guy. He's 
uh, not tall, not not like big tall, but big like fat. Like he, he eats burritos every day. Um, and, you know, staring me down afterwards, I'm like, okay, at that point I had enough. And um, for anybody who's played a sport out there, when you, when you get somebody back, uh, especially after they get you um, in a really stupid way or in a way that's unfair or that you felt like you just, you should have had the upper hand, but you made like some tiny mistake. And their bench was going crazy about it too. They were like, "Ooh, you know, the, the whole like, um, what's it called? I don't want to say booing. That's not what it is, but like kind of like the taunting coming from the bench. And then when you turn around and sit them on their ass, uh, it's the best feeling in the world. Uh, turn around like not even two, three minutes later, uh, fucking uh, just slid right into him. Or not slid, not slide tackle, but bodied him, like boxed him out kind of. Uh, think of it as a basketball term. Uh, just put full force into it, knocked him on his ass, went on with my life. Uh, that was really fun. Uh, that feeling of just getting somebody back, that was an absolute dickhead about it. Uh, can't be beat. Really can't be beat. Um, ultimately, we did have fun. Um, we did wish we would have played opponents that weren't complete idiots, basically. But um, season starts next week. We're excited. We can't wait. We're getting ready. We're getting ready for it. By the way, here's some fucking interesting news. Our coach doesn't fucking go to away games. Yeah, this is the definition. Think, picture in your head, like, run-of-the-mill, old, I don't want to say old, like, middle-aged guy, insert character here, in like a movie, coaching a soccer team. Okay? He's, you're probably thinking of him. He's got, he's got his dad shoes going. Um, he's got those uh, shorts he's been wearing for about 30 years. He's got a gut, big old, big old gut. Um, got his shirt tucked in over there, so no, no fats hanging out. Um, he's got the shades, those dad shades going. Uh, just, just that perfect image in your head. Bam, there you got it. Uh, that's who this guy is. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling this guy doesn't know shit about soccer. And did this because he wanted the money. <laughs> Just signed up because he was like, hey, more money, sure. I don't think he knows Jack all about soccer. Maybe he played 40 years ago for one year. But he's kind of a dumbass. That's mainly why our practices haven't been going well. Drills he comes up with are terrible and yada yada yada. It's just bad. He's just not a good coach. So obviously a coach not going to all the games is stupid, absolutely dumb, like unforgivable. But... It's probably a blessing that he's not going to the away games, I'm going to be honest. Um, but I don't know what we're going to do in the away games as far as, like, subs go, or, like, how are we going to manage that on while we're, we, we're literally going to go after while we're playing. And we did that in this game today. We just did it while we played, but it's a scrimmage. It's friendly. They just kind of let us sub whatever. In a real game, you don't have the luxury. They're just going to take advantage of whatever pausing you're trying to do. Um, so th that's going to be interesting. Not entirely sure how that's going to work. Um, I wouldn't mind playing coach for a day. That'd be pretty cool, but, uh, I would rather play soccer for a day. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, but can't wait for that. It's on Saturday. Uh, I don't know what time actually. I'll look at that after, but I don't know what time it is. Um, I think I'm going to have jersey number 27 and I think I'm going to be playing right back 
the the whole game. They they've been talking about me playing left back, um, which I can do. I've played there before, played there a lot before actually, um, and I have a left foot. It works. Um, I definitely say I'm a multi-footed player at this point. Um, obviously, my right foot's a little bit stronger than my left foot, um, but that doesn't really matter so much when you're not like a striker. Um, I can utilize both feet uh, equally well, um, so that's good. Um, but I'm just excited. In other news, let's move over to college football, where Florida chomped the Utah Utes on Saturday, baby, 29 to 26. Uh, that three points can be accredited to one man, and that's the guy wearing the number 15, uh, Anthony Richards. Uh, just a great quarterback. Threw the ball pretty well against Utah. Um, loved what I saw through the air, and then also ran the ball really well against Utah. Loved what I saw through the ground. Um, and not only that, uh, the running backs ran the ball very, very fucking well today. And Naquan Wright, I believe, um, had a great day on the ground today. I think we had... Four rushing touchdowns? I think there were four rushing touchdowns. Three rushing touchdowns by Anthony Richardson, and then one by Naquan Wright. So three rushing touchdowns today. One of them with about a minute 30 left in the game. Uh, So that was really cool. Um, That final drive, um, a lot can be said about that. Uh, A lot can be said about our defense in general. Uh, It was okay. Um, uh, Utah got into the red zone very often. I think like six times, but they only capitalized on like three or four of those red zone trips because on one of them, we had a, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, they fumbled it, fumbled the ball and we recovered it. And it was either third or fourth down. I can't quite remember, but I mean, are you kidding me? Another On the one yard line, by the way, it was a goal line stand and I couldn't count the amount of goal line stands Florida has had in the past 10 years on my two hands. For some reason, once a year at least, we get a game where we have an insane goal line stand. I remember we had a game against Georgia a few years ago with an eight-play goal line stand or something because we committed like two fouls on the way. I think there was a flag on this goal line stand as well on like first or second down. They, were, they, they got it again, and it was like the ball was basically in the end zone, and they still didn't get it or something. I can't quite remember. Um, but in insanity. We had one against Tennessee, too, I remember. Um, but just once a year, at least, we get a, we get a crazy goal line stand. Um, I'm happy to have it in this game. It probably gave us a, one of the reasons we won the game. Offensive line looked very good in the game. Um Again, the, the only reason you're getting 280 rush yards, I think it was, um, the only reason you're getting that, I mean, you can have Derrick Henry back there, but the only reason you get 280 rush yards like that is if your offensive line is doing some work. And they were. They kind of pushed around the, def- uh, the Utah defensive line. But the Utah offensive line did the same uh, to us. They had a, ro- a lot of rush yards on the day as well. And we generated no pass rush. Um, Ryzen, I think, was the, the Utah quarterback's name. He basically had all day... And when the pressure finally did kind of sort of get there, he just took off. Uh, there was just it was just too easy for him back there. And against you know uh, Georgia, for example, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, these teams could take advantage of that. You know, as Utah did. Utah did take advantage of it. I mean, they they did. Um, they honestly probably should have won that game. I mean, two turnovers in the red zone, 
and then a, like a fourth and whatever or whatever that was goal line stand yeah i mean they had a lot of chances to put a lot of points on the board and they just didn't capitalize so utah will be uh, very frustrated that they didn't win this game uh, but huge upset for florida um it's good to get that first win out of the way because next week we have kentucky and i know you're thinking well you know kentucky they kind of suck at football don't they well no they don't uh, they've been they've been good they've been good in recent years and Will Levis I believe is their quarterback. Um, they'll be tough. They're actually ranked right now, um, but the, we do have them at home as well. It was a home game for Florida. Swamp environment, baby. Oh my god, so fucking cool to just listen to from the TV. I can't imagine being there. Uh, man, that's definitely one place I want to visit for a game day. Um, is is the is. Uh, What's the stadium? I know it's called the Swamp, but what's I don't actually know the actual stadium name. Uh, so maybe I should maybe I should get on that. Um, but I'd really love to go there. Maybe even visit the whole campus in general. Who knows? Uh, but that would be really fun because that environment, man, super cool. And then they completely erupted when um, we got that pick that pick in the red in the red zone. Basically, actually, it was in the end zone. It was in the end zone because he downed it there. Um, I felt Ryzen was definitely um, a bit nervous on that last drive. He threw two. He threw one pass. Oh, it went right through the hands of Miller. Uh, number 51. I think that's Miller. Uh, right. I mean, he. I could see how upset he was. Everybody could. He got on his knees, slammed the ground with his hands. He was smiling when he came back up, um, so that's good to see. But he was he was so upset with Elvin, and who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be upset after after letting basically the game letting the game slip just right through his hands? I mean, there's no excuse for that. Um, but our defense did make up for it. That that last drive was scary, though. How are you gonna let you let a team get all the way down to like inside the five? Uh, pick them off in the end zone. Just a crazy way to end a football game, and any football game. Uh, super, super cool to see that. Um, but I, I, I will admit Utah did deserve. I, w- I think they did deserve this win. The, the artichokes were about equal. Like if you look at the game stats, they were they're about equal. Like on paper, this probably should have been a tie, uh, somewhat close to that. Um, but I think I think uh, Utah did deserve this one. I think they were the the opening loss just having that 0-1 that's really harsh really harsh on them and really tough to see as a Utah fan um but their season's definitely not over uh, by any means um I think Utah I mean Utah's a good team um so they could literally win out in their Pac-12 schedule like this is like it this is their time it's the last time it's one of the last times the Pac-12 is going to be seen as like a good conference too with like USC and UCLA leaving and a bunch of other teams planning to leave. It's like, so this is the last time the Pac-12 is going to be seen as like a power five conference. So Utah needs to take advantage of that and uh, do what they can and win the rest of their games and get in this playoff because they definitely can't, they definitely can't make the college football playoff still. You can have one loss to Florida first, first week of the first week of the year and then win out, um, their only tough remaining game should be Oregon. Uh, I think that's in Oregon. Um, but 
you know, I, I don't, I think Oregon's still a pretty good team too, especially by Pac-12 standards. I know they got, they, they look like school children against Georgia, but Florida's going to look like school children to Georgia too. That's just who Georgia is. Um, so there you go. There you've got it. Florida playing Kentucky next week. Excited for that game. Let's touch on Nebraska as well. What did I say? What did I say in the trailer episode? I said, Nebraska needs to beat these FCS schools by at least by 21 points or more. And what'd they do? They won by 21 points. They beat North Dakota 38 to 17. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe the scoreline either. I was there. I watched like the second quarter. I was at work, uh, but I had break at like a good time to watch most of the second quarter. And uh, it was like 14-14 going into half. Maybe they were even losing, or maybe they were winning. It, it was super close in the halftime, basically. Um, didn't watch too much of the rest of the game. Uh, I do know that Casey Thompson didn't throw the ball a whole lot. Uh, there was a lot, a lot of carries for both running backs, uh, number 9 and number 10. I think those are the two numbers. I don't, don't know who they are. Uh, not not didn't, not really in the Nebraska you know, rosters right now. Um, I could get could get going on that throughout the rest of the year but they did they did what they needed to they won by three three scores that's a three score win um if the game ended like the first half you know if the second half was looked a lot like the first half there'd be a lot more question marks but uh they did a good job pulling away in the second half that's what you like to see um you know staying firm it's an fcs school they start to get tired towards the end of their halves but nebraska did a really good job uh, pulling away and ultimately getting the win. Uh, one, there's one more game I like to talk about. It's the only other game I wa- I actually like caught glimpses of, and that's the Iowa South Dakota game. <laughs> Seven to three final score, by the way. Uh, Iowa scored a field goal uh, in the first half, and South Dakota scored a field goal in the first half. I think, I think, and they went into half three to three. And then Iowa scored two safeties in the second half to win the game 7-3. to three. <laughs> uh, I would have really loved if they only scored one safety and scored five to three and won 5-3. to three. Um, But that's still two safeties, 7-3 scoreline. Uh, throwing it back to uh, early NFL football scores with that one. 0-0, zero 0-3, to zero, zero to stuff like that. Uh, old school days right there. Um, that was super fun to see, uh, super exciting <clears throat> to see that. Um, but uh, that's it for college football. Uh, in short, let's go Florida. Good job, Nebraska. Let's go on to next week. Next, some English Premier League discussion. I'm going to be talking about the last two games that Arsenal played because in the trailer video, I had stated that Arsenal were 4 of 4. So they had played four other games at that time. They've played two since, so they played one just today, in fact, um, against Man United. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about the Aston Villa game they played on Thursday, I believe. Maybe Wednesday. Actually, I think it was Wednesday. Um, It was a Wednesday clash midweek. Arsenal dominated against Aston Villa. Uh, They held a lot of the the possession, uh, uh, 60% of the possession against Aston Villa. Uh, they took 22 total shots compared to Aston Villa's four. 
nine on target compared to Aston Villa's three. And I don't think Aston Villa got a shot on target until that shot before Douglas Luiz scored because they essentially... Um, let's, let's start from the beginning of the match. Let's start from the beginning. Um, early on, uh, Arsenal are dominating, basically. And <clears throat> we peppering the peppering the net, I think, and then it falls to Gabriel Jesus just outside the six-yard box, and he smashes in at like the half-hour mark, and we go up 1-0, and then we don't score for the rest of the half, uh, and then the second half comes along, and um, we're still just in complete control of the game. And then Aston Villa get one shot, get that one shot on target that Aaron Ramsdale deflects, and it goes out of bounds for a corner, and then Douglas Louise whips in the corner, and it goes straight into the net. Um, the Ramsdale was blocked off, uh, by the defender. It was path to the ball, like, that he didn't have a straight path to the ball, essentially. But that's kind of what you're trying to do as a person who's kind of harassing the goalkeeper, as, as, is when you, that's your job, you're kind of just trying to make it hard for them to get to the ball. And that's what the, 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 uh, whoever it was did, and Aaron Ramsdale just couldn't get himself around him. Um, it wasn't necessarily a foul. Like, he wasn't pushing him or anything or, like, um, doing anything unfair, like chopping his legs or anything or stepping on his toes. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, just, he just positioned himself great, and Aaron Ramsdale couldn't get around him. And Douglas Deleuze, for the third time this year, scores straight from a corner. Uh, so that's pretty impressive from him. And a player that actually Arsenal were trying to look to sign before the deadline ended. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't end up happening. They actually didn't sign it any midfielders which again i will talk about that later um but uh ultimately a very very convincing win we did rotate uh, some of the side today due to some injuries uh gabriel or not gabriel uh, zinchenko on uh, on the left side had picked up a knock in training so kieran tyranny played this game uh he played fine uh nothing spectacular uh nothing horrific uh great uh just a fine game uh, at left back uh, we had Sambi Lakonga in for Thomas Partey in the midfield. And I believe that was it as far as substitutions go. Again, uh, Lakonga played fine. It's it's a, it's an easier opponent. Um, but I did think his performance was decent uh, against Aston Villa. Um, Martinelli, man, I, th I think between him and Saka, man, this these this this front, front three is... When they're on, they're on. And it, it's... When they're off, they're off. Um, sometimes Saka makes a couple of just just kind. Of, I don't want to say rookie mistakes, um, but just some things that that could be worked on. Um, straying, straying offside, straying into bad uh, bad positions, um, things like that. He's kind of too left footed. Um, he he just completely relies on his left foot. Like he's got no right foot at all. Um, it's funny to watch people who can only use uh, one one half their legs essentially to maneuver, and they and Saka still can get around people. It's crazy, um, but I'd favor the left side of the pitch again uh, over the right side, especially with Zinchenko in the lineup, because um, on the right it's Lukonga, like a right center defensive midfield with Ben White on the right uh, right side of the defense and Saka on the right side of the attack. Whereas on the left, it's Zinchenko when he plays Granit Xhaka, who is in the form of his life right now, by the way, and uh, Martinelli. And ultimately, it all leads to the main man up front, Gabriel Jesus. 
who did score uh, early in this game, put us up 1-1. And then um, I did, uh, Arsenal did respond within, like, I think two and a half minutes, two, two and a half minutes, something, somewhere around there. Uh, Sacco got played a ball in down the right, and he crossed it. He was, like, just outside the six-yard box or something, crossed it to the other side of the six-yard box, and Martinelli scored from there and made it 2-1, responded very quickly, um, and fully deserved the three points here. Would have been extremely disappointed with a draw. Um, it, it was just complete domination uh, on all sides of the pitch. Uh, the defense didn't look so shaky today. Again, Aston Villa only had four shots, and they didn't get one on target until 73rd minute. So that's very, anytime you can do that, very, very impressive. Uh, again, it's only Aston Villa, but great win for Arsenal, and that put them at five wins from five. Um, but earlier today, Arsenal had to go to Old Trafford and play against Manchester United. Um, the first first half was a wild, wild ride. Um, there was a goal early on from Martinelli, a very, very cool goal. Um, actually, in the first 10 minutes, Man United kind of had most of the possession, um, but we got on the break. And the ball was played to Saka in about the midfield area. And then he plays Martinelli through on the left side. And he's one-on-one -on -one through with the goalkeeper defender on his back. And he and he places the, the shot perfectly. Perfectly places it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it was disallowed. Um, because uh, in the build-up to the play, Odegaard had apparently fouled somebody. Um, it was very, very weak foul. He didn't get any of the ball. But I don't think he got any got, got any of the player either. It it uh, he sort of he didn't push him he just kind of leaned into him and you can lean into guys um i think what they got him with was his foot kind of um chipped at at uh erickson's foot because i think it was erickson who had possession but i think his foot nicked erickson the back of erickson's leg or his shoe or something when it happened and that is what they got him with. Because if they got him with lean, that would have been ridiculous. But that I did see that when watching it back, and that as weak as it was, it's te it's technically a foul. Um, so that really really sucks to have that one disallowed so early on in the game. Um, and then we continue after the first ten minutes. Arsenal were playing Arsenal football. Um, or this year's version of Arsenal football anyway, where we controlled the game. Uh, we had most of the possession, but the problem problem came with the counterattack, and it bit us hard. Um, 35 minutes into the game, United go on the counter through Eriksson. Eriksson plays the ball from the, his own half of the field through to Fernandez, who plays it to Jaden Sancho, or maybe doesn't play it. It kind of gets bobbled over to Sancho, who plays it to Rashford, and then onto the other, and on the right side of the pitch, all wide open, is Anthony, the new signing for Manchester United. I think he's from Ajax. Um, and he slots at home beautifully, opens up his body, curls it around Ramsdale, who went the wrong way, and it was 1-0. And that's how it would go into halftime. Um, just uh, the counter is what really killed us this game. Man United would ultimately end up winning 3-1. Uh, Saka would equalize in the 60th minute. 1-1 uh, would be the score, but then Rashford would score not even six minutes later. And then he'd score again seven minutes later after that. So really, really painful loss here. And I will say, while we did control most of the ball, I don't think we controlled the ball in the uh, in the attacking third 
nearly as well as we had in previous games. Um, we did have more total shots. We had more possession at 61%. We had more total shots, 16 to Man United's 10. But our shots on target were worst. Man United had six shots on target. We only had three. Um, we just didn't create too many clear-cut chances in the game. And when we did, we didn't do too good of a job at taking them. Um, we had a lot more chances, I would I want to say, in the first half um, than we did in the second half. Uh, I didn't get to like watch watch the whole game. Uh, I watched, I want to say, about 60 minutes of it, but I had to listen to the rest because I had to go into work. But, um, again, it, it, it was disappointing to not come away from this one with at least a point. Um, you look at the stats and you think, maybe we should, we, maybe we deserve more than a point. And honestly, we probably did. Um, but ultimately, Man United were more clinical and they created more clear cut chances. And the game of football, that's all you need. So... Honestly, a great, great job from Manchester United today to counterattack. That's where all three of their goals came from, uh, was on the counter. I mean, they just destroyed us on the counterattack. We couldn't rotate our players back. They used the through balls through the midfield just beautifully. They got the ball from the defense to the attacking side of the pitch so, so quickly and with so much space. It was very impressive um, for Man United. And Eric Ten Hag has really turned that that team around after the first two games where they lost. They've now won four straight. Uh, good good win for them here uh, against a good good Arsenal team. Uh, the starting lineup, I don't think I mentioned it. Same as against Aston Villa, except Zinchenko was back in the lineup for Tierney because he had recovered from that injury. I want to say everybody played everybody everybody played great today. Uh, the midfield played good. Sammy Lukonga wasn't bad. I thought he was pretty good against Man United. He was caught out, as was Jacka. And Odegaard in the middle, and the way that the way that we carried the ball in the attacking third of the pitch really left us vulnerable to those to those great uh, through passes into the attacking side from Manchester United, and we'd ob- ob- often um, leave a guy like wide open because we couldn't. There was nobody back to cover him. We were pressing too much on the opponent's side, and that's where they got their goals from. Uh, so ultimately, nothing. It wasn't really down to anybody's fault in the midfield or the defense um, that we got scored on so, you know, so I guess easily. Um, I feel it felt like Man United had three chances and they scored all three, like on their three chances, um, but they did have a few more. Um, but again, I don't think anybody's at fault here necessarily. Um, I think there needs to just be a little bit of tactical change from Arteta's side, um, just a little bit of tactical change there. Don't try and not leave ourselves so vulnerable to the counter press. You know, when we go into the attacking third, we essentially turn into uh, we, we run a four-two-three-one essentially. But when we have possession of the ball and we're in the opponent's half, we turn into this like weird three-two-five formation where Zinchenko comes into the midfield, which leaves uh, Gabriel Saliba and Ben White uh, as our three at the back. And then we have Zinchenko and, more often than not, Lukonga uh, staying back in the midfield. Xhaka makes a run to the, to the front, and it turns into a five at the front with Jesus, Odegaard, Xhaka, Saka, and Martinelli. So um, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of forward focus. And when we got caught out and we got dispossessed, which happened 
you know, it happened enough to where Man United could score, score three times from it. So it's a, it's a risky game we're playing here, um, throwing so many bodies forward. And you'd like to say it worked. We possessed most of the ball, but we really couldn't break down the Man United defense, um, especially late in the game, man. We'd get the ball out to one of the wings or something, or we'd have possession of it kind of just outside the D there. Um, and you'd see every Manchester United jersey sprinting back into the box. It looked like they had all 11 of their players inside of there. Uh, it was funny to watch sometimes. I noticed that late, and I was like, geez, Louise, that's crazy. Um, even Ronaldo was running back to play defense. You've never seen that before. Um, he almost scored late on, too. Um, and as much as I don't want to get scored on, I love seeing either Messi or Ronaldo score or assist goals um, because they're two of the greatest players to ever do it. Um, I don't need to sit here and talk about their reputation. You know who they are. Um, you know what they've done. And I I follow I follow their stats and really do wish for them to do well. Um, I, I don't like seeing Ronaldo on the bench, but obviously it's working. It's working. So if it's working, you know, keep him there. Don't sabotage your team to give somebody goals. But, um, but at least it's cool to see him come on at halftime and he has this new energy about him. Um, he, he wants to win still. He's, he was smiling, uh, after Rashford scored, uh, I think on both of his, um, he was in for both the Rashford goals, I believe. Um, really, really, really just fun to see him smiling, uh, once again. Um, and I follow, I follow Leo Messi the same way. Uh, I watch all the PSG highlights because I'm just hoping he scores or gets an assist or something like that. Um, I just don't want them to ever stop playing and, uh, I'm getting older as they're getting older, and they're in their late 30s now, probably both of them, mid to late 30s. Uh, so it's really hard to see them just not at their peak form, but they're still playing really well. Messi has three goals and th 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 six assists. Three goals and six assists uh, for PSG. That's really cool. Uh, that's really cool to see. Uh, Neymar, by the way, what the hell happened to this him this year? He's got six goals and six assists in six games, I think? Five games? He didn't even start the last game. I don't know why exactly. Um... But uh, just crazy from him. Uh, anyways, we're getting a little off topic here. Um, but I wanted to talk about Arsenal's lack of depth. Uh, we just there's there's no depth in the squad. Um, we're we're going to. Ooh, who do we play on Thursday? We're playing a Europa League match on Thursday. Uh, I'm not sure who it's against. I looked it up earlier today. I'm actually going to I'm actually going to go go find that out. Let's let's find out together. Let's do it. Let's see who Arsenal play. Arsenal play Zurich. That's who it is. Um on the 8th of September. Uh about midday time here in the US. Um but with Premier League play and Europa League play, um, and cup games, and all of the sort. There's just there's there there's you're you need deep squads when you're playing essentially like four or five competitions at the same time, with all these things, with all these matches that you have to play, and the World Cup on top of that in the middle of the freaking year. Um, you need depth, and this team just just doesn't have it. Um, there's no depth in the midfield, and there's not much depth in defense either. 
Um, we have Kieran Tierney for Zinchenko on the left and Tomiasso for Benoit on the right, which is really good. Um, but we don't really have anything uh, for those two center halves. Um, so if either of them gets injured, it's going to be a big question mark. Um, although if one of them gets injured, Ben White will move to one of the two whoever got injured spot, and then Tomiasso will probably play right side. So Ben White kind of works that double role, but then what if Ben White gets hurt? Or what if Tomiasso, like, Tierney's known to get hurt. So squad depth is a huge issue, and, and not only defense, I think it's even more of an issue in the midfield. Uh, Sambi Lakonga, after we replaced Thomas Party, uh, but Sambi Lakonga is like our last guy. He's like, our, that's it. We have Thomas Party, Granite Xhaka, Martin Odegaard, and Albert Sambi Lakonga. We have four midfielders for a three midfielder, for, for a three midfield pivot. That does, that just doesn't work. Uh, Odegaard's more of a cam. I understand that. Um, so maybe you can get away with like throwing Smith Rowe in there, which is actually what Arteta did today. Um, but it, it, it's not, I don't, I just, I don't see us being able to keep form, keep top form on, in all competitions. Um, we have a favorable draw in the Europa League. We should win our group. Um, no offense to Zurich or PSV or whoever else is in the group. I'm not really sure who the fourth team is. Um, but we should, we should top our group. And then we should go on to probably reach the final, at least, at minimum, in the Europa League. Anything but the final, I think, would be disappointing. Um, but again, if we have all these injuries come hit us at the wrong time, we could just fall. We could crash out of... We could fall down the table in the Premier League. We could crash out of the Europa League. We could crash out of the group stage for all that's a possibility we could crash out of both the fa cup and the efl cup early it's so many competitions and for a squad that's held together with duct tape and sticks and glue it's very it's very very frightening um there's impending doom here at arsenal and having a, an entire squad stay fit for an entire year is not gonna happen and i'm afraid i'm honestly very afraid of what could happen uh how many people are going to be upset um i do think we're looking to make some moves next in the winter uh for the for the transfer window in january um douglas louise who we couldn't sign at the end of summer i, I think he's on our target list uh for for the for the winter and then we have uh, another brazilian midfielder as well I, D Douglas Louise is actually Brazilian as well, but there's another one, uh, like Panillo or something or Panillo. I I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop there. I'm not gonna keep guessing the guy's name. I don't quite know who it is, but he's there's there's another uh, bright Brazilian midfielder on our list as well. Um, I did mention actually uh, Fabio Vieira. Yeah, not Patrick Vieira. Uh, Fabio Vieira. He came in today. He plays midfield. Um, so I I didn't mention him, but it's too it's too thin. It's too thin everywhere. Uh, the attack is something that's uh, kind of, it's kind of, somewhat okay. Uh, you have Smith Rowe that can come in. Not Reese Nelson. Um, I don't know. I think there's a couple. Uh, and Ketia can come in for Jesus. So, the 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 attacking options are all right. Um, again, but this squad needs depth. It needs more depth. That is something we should target in the winter. Because by then, I'm sure we'll have about four or five injuries.
I'm sure by 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 November, December, I'm not sure what our fixture list looks like. But I'm sure we'll be in a rough patch of form if we have four or five injuries. Whoever we play, it's going to be a rough patch of form. January could really, really revive this team uh, from that, you know, from that bad patch of form if they have it. I, obviously, I hope they don't. Um, but, you know, you never know. You never know what could happen. Um, but I'm going to go over the rest of the games here in September. We play, we go to Zurich. We play them uh, in the Europa League. We play hosts to Everton uh, on the 11th, so three-day turnaround. Uh, three-day turnaround from Europa League. We're, it's Sunday today. They, they play today. They play the 9th, so that is a Friday? Is that a Friday? That's a weird time. It's probably a Thursday. I'm probably getting my dates mixed up. No, it's Friday. Wow. Okay. That's a Friday game. Then we play Everton on what would be Monday. And then we play PSV on Thursday, the 15th of September. And then we play Brentford the 18th of September on a Sunday. Just just throwing games at us. Just throwing them at us. Um, but then we have a little break. Because we don't play another game until October. It's October 1st, and it's a big one. It's Tottenham uh, at home, I believe. Yes, Tottenham at home. Uh... I, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. I'll, I, I'll pred- I, it's, I'll predict we'd lose that game. Uh, most likely to lose that game. I believe, I fully believe in Antonio Conte. Um, he'll, he's turning Spurs just right around, turning that organization into an amazing, amazing team. Um, we play then Glimt. That's that's the fourth team. Um, five days later, sixth of October, or yeah, sixth of October. Then three days after that, Liverpool at home, the 9th of October. Four days after that, Glimped. Three days after that, Leeds. They, they, this is a terrible, terrible schedule for a squad that's so, so thin at basically every position, uh, except goalkeeper. That's about the only position we're not thin at. Um, but that that's it for October then after that. But when they throw these games at you like this, you need a thick squad. That's that's why Manchester City performs so well. That's why Liverpool, Bayern, PSG. That's why these these big teams perform so well in the leagues, in their Europa conferences, whatever they're in, in the cups. They have thick thick squads. That's how they can do it. Arsenal just aren't there yet. It's a good team at its core. It's a good team at its core, but that's all it is right now. There's just not enough. There's just not enough there. Um, but um, I, I, I'm excited. I'm still excited for this Arsenal team. I still think we can win games. This one was a little bit, little bit disheartening. Um, I felt that we should have at least drawn this game. We deserve that much. I feel like anyways. Um, but we didn't and we got to move on. Um, we're still top of the table. Uh, still should be in high here. I saw some hanging heads uh, after we went down 3-1. Gotta show what we're made of here. We got tough games coming up. And they're all coming at us rapidly. So let's prove who we are. Let's go win these games. And let's finish September and October with no injuries, hopefully. No more injuries, please. Um, But on good form after this Man United loss. Let's show them what we're made of. Let's beat Spurs at home. Let's beat Liverpool at home. Let's do it. But that's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. 
to this episode of the C-String Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I will see you guys on the next episode of the C-String Podcast, where Cole and I will talk about a few more of our favorite classic rock bands. Bye-bye.